0: Shaq, let's just say that a uh, snake bit your mom right up here, right in the chest area. Would you be willing to suck the venom out to win the title?
1: No, but I will with your wife. I'm a man. I'm 40. Uh, playoffs? What are you about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs?
0: Hope so we can win a game We are in here talking about practice I mean, listen, we talking about practice Not a game, not a game, not a game We talking about practice Hello and welcome to the Pick and Roll Podcast I'm Bill Golden, alongside me as always is Kevin McClernand. Kev, allegedly the conference finals are upon us. It certainly doesn't seem that way so far, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I guess just to start out this podcast, let's look back at the last round. We'll start out west with the one-seed Golden State Warriors against Utah Jazz. Golden State swept the Jazz in four games. Uh, the Jazz really probably didn't belong in the second round in the first place. Obviously, the injury of Blake Griffin having a lot to do with them making it into the second round Anyway. What do you think about the future of the Jazz? Is Gordon Hayward going to stay? And then what happens with everybody else? I think, is it George Hill's also a free agent or somebody else big is a free agent also, right?
1: Yeah, George Hill is also. So, I mean, they're definitely going to have an interesting time. Uh, unluckily for them, Gordon Hayward did not make an all-team NBA, so uh, they can't offer him. Uh, I think it's, I think they could pay like, $70 million more if him and Jimmy Butler would have made, uh, or him and Paul George would have made an All-NBA team. So they, they won't have the opportunity to do that for it.
0: Right. I think a part of the reason they didn't make it is this, what seems to be in the modern NBA an archaic rule where you have to have certain positions, including centers. A couple guys, I would say DeAndre Jordan, Rudy Gobert, probably don't make it at all if it's just the 15 best players in the league, which is probably the way they should do it going forward. And it's not just about the lack of positions. I think it's just about the fact that these All-NBA teams, especially because they mean so much contract-wise, as you mentioned, they should probably just get rid of it for the sake of making sure they get the right 15 guys in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of see their point right now that they want to reward the best center in the league, but then, I mean, this is the case where you're kind of hurting these guys that could be making a lot more money, um, and there's just a limited amount of spots uh, for guys like Paul George and Hayward uh, that there's only basically six spots
0: uh, on those All-NBA teams for forward. Well, it, there's two points. I, I think that's ridiculous for two reasons. One, if you want the centers to be recognized, then maybe the centers should play well enough to have themselves included in the top 15 players in the league. That would be my counter. Second, there's only... How many true centers are in the league now? There aren't that many. Um, and I know you can maybe count guys because they're starting there, but that's the, that's the other part of it. I mean, who really is a center and who's not? Just because you play or start at center, does that really make you a center? Uh, we've seen LeBron start at center before. Draymond Green starts at center. He's not a center. So the whole position thing, honestly, basketball, at least in the NBA, and really it's starting to trickle down all levels of the game. Positions are almost entirely meaningless at this point. You know, we have guys that are seven-foot playing point guard. There's no reason to to categorize like that anymore anymore. I, I, I know they want to recognize the best centers, but my counter would be then, you know, if you're a center just be one of the best 15 players in the league, I'm not trying to hate on centers. It's possible with with Joel Embiid and, and some other younger guys that maybe, you know, four years from now, there will be five or six centers in the top 15 in the league. And I think that's okay too. I don't think we should be boxing people out simply because of their position.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I wouldn't, I mean, you're talking about these guys who just play the position. I think Towns, I mean, he's a natural power forward if you're looking at an actual position. But, I mean, yeah, I agree. It's basically
0: positionless anymore um, with with the way teams play. I'm glad you brought up Towns because outside of, of Paul George, you know, he, and Gordon Hayward probably feeling some type of way from being left off of this, I think the position thing really boxed them out. But Carl Anthony Towns does – is listed, I believe, as a center and plays a lot of center. I cannot believe that he got snubbed and people actually think DeAndre Jordan's a better basketball player than him. Yeah, I mean, Towns did receive two first-team votes, and uh, but he, he only received 50 votes.
1: or I mean, 50 votes or total points. I'm not sure how they do it, whatever it is, um, overall. So,
0: I mean, it, it is tough. I was surprised to see DeAndre Jordan over him. Leaving the MVP argument aside, I just look at the unanimity of certain players versus not with other players. Somehow James Harden is unanimous, but Russell Westbrook and LeBron James aren't. I think you said they got 99 out of 100 first first All-NBA team votes, but I just don't understand how LeBron James isn't number one. It doesn't have 100. Who doesn't vote LeBron James as one of the five best players? That's the thing that I can't wrap my head around. And the same thing probably you could say about Russell Westbrook.
1: Yeah, and I think I sent you a text joking, saying that it was probably the same person who left them off and put in uh, Steph Curry and Durant on their first team instead. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, I think all four of those
0: MVP candidates should have been unanimous. Yeah, and and the other the last thing too that i want to say about this is the Clay Thompson conversation is nothing short of ridiculous. First of all, in my opinion, he's not—he's not as good as as Paul George. He might arguably be as good or better than Gordon Hayward, but there's no place for him on this list. And I know the Warriors feel some type of way about it, but I mean, I, maybe you disagree, but I don't think he belongs on this list. I don't even think there's a conversation to be had about it. Who's that? Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson. Yeah, I mean, that same dream I think Draymond was just kind of
1: because he was the the odd man out, obviously, just trying to trying to stick up for one of his teammates. But yeah, he, I mean you could argue, I mean, some people would argue the top 15 player in the league, but the, I mean, that doesn't matter. I mean, it's like when people argue, I know you and Shane use this argument that LeBron's the best player and there's obviously, I'm not going to argue with that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the best player should win MVP every year if they don't play like that. And um, I mean, some people use that argument for Towns too. I mean, I heard Coward said that he likes Towns better than Anthony Davis and that, that shouldn't matter uh, which which player you like
0: better, which player you think is better uh, going on those teams. It, it's how they perform throughout the year. Exactly, yeah. And the thing is that I, I haven't looked at Clay's numbers. I'm sure they're very similar to last year. Maybe, maybe it took a dip in a couple areas. I'm not sure. But the other thing, too, is like you say, it, you're, it's a year-by-year. Year comp- it's not just about where you are, your status. It's about not only how you perform, but you're going up against other people. It's not just about you it's about you versus everyone else and there might be different guys who had better season than you in this particular season I mean the problem is is that he's he's now the third scoring option on the Warriors and I mean he's he can play a little bit of defense and he's a good scorer but there's a lot of great players in the league right now it's tough to being left off I think you're right Draymond made those comments because it's it's Draymond and I I don't I don't mind him from that perspective i don't i don't mind draymond and them wanting to have a conversation about it because they probably should that's the right thing to do but for the rest of us you know i don't think there's a legitimate argument to be made for him you know that's all i was really saying is there anyone else you think that that belongs in this conversation that no one's talking about well before we move on i actually just i looked up clay's
1: stats and i would have never guessed that clay i mean it was only 20 it was 0.2 points per more uh per game more but he averaged more points this year than last year which Is very shocking, considering the add of Kevin Durant.
0: Well, what's the quote? I'm not sacrificing bleep, right? Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, so... He he did shoot... He shot a little worse percentage-wise, but, I mean, he shot more times, 17.6 shots per game compared to 17.3
0: last year, too. Interesting. If you would have asked me, I would have guessed that he actually shot a higher percentage, and that's why he averaged a little bit more. The other thing you have to think about is they probably... I'm going to guess their tempo was probably a little bit higher, and they scored more points per game this year, I think, than... Than they ever have, so yeah. I mean, Clay was exactly right. He didn't have to sacrifice anything. My 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 guess would be, I'd bet pretty heavily that Steph's uh, average dipped. Um, oh yeah, I mean, he averaged thirty points per game last year, so okay. have. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, outside of outside of that, is there anyone else you think that might have got left off this list that deserves to be in the conversation?
1: Yeah, I mean. Not anybody has a strong argument. You, you could argue since that center position. I mean, there was a couple player towns. I know uh, Bill Simmons put Jokic on his third team, but I, I don't think he has a very strong case. Um, uh, Chris Paul got hurt, uh, so it would be
0: tough to put him on. You know, so so I, I don't think anybody really has a strong case. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. All right, uh, we got a little bit distracted. That's my fault. I, I think we wanted to talk a little bit about whether Gordon Hayward, we thought Gordon Hayward was going to stay – uh, with the Jazz. Um, wh- what are you thinking for that going forward? What do you think about the Jazz future?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the big uh, the, the big draw for him would be to play for Brad Stevens again uh, in Boston. Uh, they have the money to sign him. Uh, he was his college coach and I um, I mean, I hear they have a very good relationship and they, they talk all the time. I would not be surprised, but if I had to guess, I would say he's going to take that money and stay with a decent Utah team.
0: Now, one thing that I've been trying to figure out, I know someone that I'm a big fan of, I don't know how you feel, but Nick Wright often talks about the fact that there's a possibility he believes, I'm not sure how true this is, but that, that players have been, with the opportunity as free agents to move to the Eastern Conference, have chosen not to over and over again. Do you think at any point in Gordon Tayward's decision that he thinks about going to Boston instead of staying with Utah in terms of trying to win a championship?
1: Uh, well, no. I mean, I think the biggest draw away from the East was at LeBron, but, I mean, he has to get through Golden State right now, and it looks like they're going to be together for a, a good amount of time. Um, so he has a better chance of making it in the East right now um, with less competition uh Because, I mean, there's other good teams in the West, and right
0: now the East is just really the Cavs, as have we seen in these playoffs. Now, do you know off the top of your head how much money he'd give up going to the Celtics for staying?
1: Um, See, The the thing is they can add an extra year. So, I mean, the total money is different. Um, I'm I'm not sure the exact numbers. But in the long run, he could make a lot more if he stays with Utah because of his next contract. The okay. so players, like, uh, if players stay with the team they're drafted from,
0: um, they can make a lot of money in signing after, like, eight, nine years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the things we, we talk about a lot in sports. It's this it's this question that you have to make this decision that these athletes have to make a lot of times right in the prime of their careers, and that's, do I sign the biggest possible contract, or do I take a really big contract and play for a team that might have a chance of winning a championship? Because you just said it, and I think I agree with you. The Warriors are staying together for a while, Durant's still youngish, Curry's young, Thompson's young, Green's young. They just need to put some pieces around those guys. If if Livingston ends up retiring or Iguodala, uh, Javale McGee is playing really well, but he's, he's I think he's thirty something. So if they can continue to get role players like that, which I'm sure they'll be able to do, they're going to dominate in the West for the foreseeable future. So if I'm him, I, I'm with you. I think the better opportunity is to go and try to challenge LeBron. Because that team, I, in my opinion, we can get into this later, I don't think they're as good as Golden State, but I, it, it's just one of those tough decisions that he'd have to make. Like you bring up the example with, I mean, you bring up the point about Brad Stevens, and that's a really good one. I think he has a really tough decision to make, and it's going to be money versus, versus trying to win. Because the thing is, I don't, th- I don't see the Jazz winning in, in the foreseeable future. I mean, do you think that they can recruit someone there to make a huge difference, to make them a championship contender?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the problem. I mean, they are a good team, but I don't see anybody on their current roster moving up in this superstar status. I mean, Gobert is very good, but, I mean, he's not going gonna to get better, but he, he's not going to be anything superstar. Um, so they would have to attract somebody, uh, maybe like Chris Paul and I, maybe Kyle Lowry, but I don't think Kyle Lowry makes that
0: big of a difference for them if he signs him uh, in for agency. Yeah, I would agree with that. Chris Paul... Chris Paul would. Right. I, I don't know if he would put them in championship contender status. I guess it would really depend on how much better Gobert can get in a year. We've seen guys make big leaps, uh, but he would have to be really, really good for them to to get to that level. But Chris Paul, I mean, the problem with Chris Paul is I don't know how many more years he has left. So yeah, they would have to, if they're going to do that, they would have to probably add... Another piece, not a big piece, but another solid player on top of that. I mean, Joe Johnson, I know he was clutch for them in this playoffs. I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to do that either. So the bench they have also is uh, is just totally not impressive. A guy like Ingles, I don't, I could be wrong, but a guy like Ingles, I don't think can start on a championship contending team.
1: No, yeah, he can't be starting for them. But I mean, going back to that draft where they drafted uh, Dante Exum, I mean, he, I mean, he can still maybe develop into something, but that, that supposed to be a very good draft, and they kind of missed on excellent.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, it, it would be incredible for them if he was developing right now, taking the step maybe between this year and next year to become a next level, maybe not super elite, but a good point guard. And then they could add somebody at the shooting guard position to take over for Ingle, for somebody who's a little bit more skilled. And they might actually have something without having to get a free agent, maybe not directly next year, but, but on the path. I mean, this team this year – And I know they won 50-some games, I think, but I just didn't think they – I think we both agreed that we didn't think they were very good.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I thought the West – some of the teams were going to be a little better um, than they were, which obviously the the Jazz moved up because those teams kind of performed. But um, I I don't see them moving back next year necessarily unless uh, Hayward leaves, but I don't see them making a big jump also. I mean, 51 games is is a pretty good amount of wins.
0: It, it it really is. Um, all right, so let let's move on uh, to the Houston San Antonio series. I believe we both picked the Spurs, and I want to say we both said six or seven. I want to say I said seven. I'm not exactly sure if you said six or seven.
1: I think we picked the different games uh, for every series, uh, so it had to be seven because we both had because uh, I, I know we both had Boston Washington and six, so this had to be
0: we both picked it in seven. Okay, yeah, so this ended up being a six-game series, pretty lengthy still. San Antonio ends up coming out on top, as we predicted. I think the biggest storyline here, the obvious one that everyone's talking about, is James Harden, I mean, just, I don't know what the word, evaporating. I mean, I don't know, he was nowhere to be found uh, in game six, totally horrible. And a lot of people said, and I know you, you hate this, but it's an example, people say, of his value to his team. Obviously it doesn't, it doesn't go into the argument for MVP, but I think it, people are saying it shows that he was really valuable to his team because he played so poorly and they got their doors blown off.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what was going on. I was watching that overtime in game six when he kind of started playing that way. He's walking the ball up the court. I mean, granted he was probably tired. They only played seven game or seven guys in that game. Um, But it just, it didn't look like the same James Harden in that overtime. And then, that just carried over into that game six was just uh, completely embarrassing, uh,
0: losing on your home court by 40 points. Right. And I think the biggest storyline was D'Antoni, D'Antoni saying that maybe Harden needs to rest more during the season next year. Um, this is becoming an increasing trend, obviously started probably mostly by Popovich. I'm not sure if he's the first person ever to do this, but he was the first person probably to really do it regularly. LeBron obviously learning from that and now he's starting to do it a lot. Um and now maybe, you know, Houston's gonna try it and, and I could see this with a lot of players going forward. LeBron what we said when we were talking about the MVP race, I I said LeBron and Kawhi played seventy four games. West Westbrook and Harden played eighty one. So And
1: the only game they took off was the eighty second game. I think they both skipped the last game of the year. Right.
0: So I I so it's think it's not he, like they took any breaks during the year. Right. And I think it's showing that it, it made a difference. I'm not sure if that's completely true. I think part of the reason Arden was so tired is because he played a lot of minutes in that series and in the playoffs. Um, same thing yeah. with Russell Westbrook. I think we thought if, if by some miracle OKC won in the first round, uh, even though I had them winning, they got, they got beaten five. Russell Westbrook would have had no energy for the second round. So that's, that's a part of it also. I mean, you
1: have to have an all-star in this NBA or a superstar in this NBA to win, but you can't be completely reliant on that superstar if you want to go far. Um, Because, I mean, even LeBron has two all-stars on his team, and if he's having a bad game, which rarely happens, Kyrie can step up and score and Love can rebound and score. The only two... Houston team doesn't have that.
0: Right. And the only two examples I can think of, at least in the last... 15 or so years of teams that only had one superstar. And that was pretty much it is LeBron's Cavs and Iverson Sixers. So it's very extremely rare that someone can have a playoffs. That's that's that good using that much energy and just continue to do that. It's not realistic to expect, especially the way that the NBA looks right now with two, two teams that are clearly superior to everyone else. Like I said, we'll talk about that later, but what do you think about Houston going forward? I mean, I think, you alluded to it, they have to add somebody else. Can they get that player? I think so. They, cause they're, they're really good. And I think that people want to play with Harden. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think they have the cash face cause they're not paying really anybody besides, uh, Besides Harden, um, maybe they'll keep Lou Williams to keep him coming off the bench. Um, I don't know what kind of free agents are out there right now. I really haven't started looking at that yet. I just know the top ones uh, for the
0: free agency. Right. Yeah. But I don't see a guy like Hayward or Lowry going there. Now, am I wrong to say that Paul George is a free agent also? Next year. Okay. Next year. The other thing we have to wonder about too is, is the future of Carmelo. Um, I don't know how much of a difference he can make, but I don't see him staying in New York. So it's a really interesting situation. I don't. I mean, I don't know how you feel about him at this point in his career. He can still really fill it up. I don't know that he makes enough of a difference on any team really to push him over the hump, though.
1: Well, I'm sure you saw your buddy Phil Jackson said that he hopes that uh, Melo waves his trade clause. Yeah, I did this see this offseason so they can trade him.
0: Right, I did see that. Um, I would assume that that Melo would do that because at this point, I'm, I'm thinking he's probably going to want to go somewhere where he can get some rings. But that being said, that but, means that the Knicks are probably going to have to make a bad trade because they know the, – the the problem is Melo has all the leverage. And so, you know, if he wants to go yeah. somewhere that's, that's good, he's going to – it's, the, the Knicks are just in a bad position. Phil Jackson, we've I've said this before, he's just an idiot at this point, and he needs to be removed from his position. I mean, we're in a situation where that they have a superstar that they have on their team right now that they can't get to talk to Phil Jackson. This it's just ugly. And by the way, good good
1: for Porzingis for not dealing with their crap and just saying like he refusing to go to talk with them. Sometimes I think it was his exit interview that he refused to talk to them. He's
0: just like, you guys are a mess. <laughs> Uh, get your crap together yeah and I think it was also he felt some type of way about the way Carmelo was treated and I think he was sending a signal like I'm not going to be treated like that and if you do treat me like that then I'm not going to do what you tell me to do and they still Phil Jackson still can't get a hold of him The story broke yesterday the day before that Phil Jackson actually had to text or call Kristaps brother to try to find out if he could get in a room with him or if he'll talk to him so you know it's just it's just a hot mess but
1: Let's one player that because I just looked at uh, the free agents for two, uh, for the summer, one player that I think would be really interesting on Houston uh, would be Serge Ibaka, uh, since he's developed that three pointer,
0: uh, playing uh, that four or five position. But that team would be pretty interesting to watch. Well, he'll add a little bit of defense for them as well. He's also obviously played with James Harden way back in the day, so that's something that that could happen. I could see him and James sitting down. Um, I, I doubt he would end up back at OKC just because you know they traded him away. Um, but I, I that that's interesting. I could definitely see him going there, and I I think he would make a big difference. That could make them a lot more legitimate. Will it push them over the edge? No, but I think that they they could make the conference finals and and make it interesting with Golden State if if James is playing well and guys are hitting their threes. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I'd still, I mean, it's it's hard to watch them play. It's just it doesn't seem like basketball to me sometimes, and. They're just running up and down the court, shooting a three without running on it, on any offense. Uh, so I really hope that's not the way the uh, the NBA is going towards.
0: Um, I hope they
1: actually start running offense and playing defense.
0: Yeah, the key the key in that equation is that the other teams have to play defense. You, you got to get back in transition. You got to be ready to cover the three pointer and force them to get into an offense. That's the only solution. Um, and people can hopefully learn from what the uh, Spurs were
1: doing on defense by not. Uh, running right through those picks and Harden wasn't
0: getting those uh, fouls on his fake three pointers. Yeah, I mean it's don't stick your hand through the screen. You know you got to hedge hard. It, it, to me, it's not that difficult, and Popovich obviously showed you that. And the other thing is you can't bite bite on these pump fakes and the rest of it. But yeah, I mean they got so many points from those those three pointers between him and Lou Williams on on fouls. It's just unacceptable. Um, Let's go ahead and move to the Eastern Conference. Um, let's save the best series for last. So let's let's jump to the two seed Cleveland sweeping the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors seemed to w- wave the white flag halfway through the series, um, and then at the end, uh, it was I think it was Demar Derozan said, "If we had LeBron, we would have won too," which is probably the most idiotic thing I've ever heard anyone say. Obviously, that's true, but. I mean, what what kind of – it doesn't add anything. And this franchise is probably going to lose Lowry and Ibaka. uh, Do they even make the playoffs next year?
1: Uh, I mean, without those two, it will be tough. Um, They they definitely have a lot of uh, players they need to pay, but I was really disappointed in this series by them. Uh, I know Lowry was injured, uh, missed a couple games, um, and DeRozan was really their only player. But they they might have to blow this up
0: because I think they realize that they're not even close to Cleveland. The other thing, too, is Kyle Lowry just – does he care? I mean, he just seems like – he kind of reminds me of Melo. I know we talked about him a little bit earlier. And a couple other guys who just – Dwight Howard's another one. Like, do you care at all? There just doesn't seem to be any passion. It's like, even if you think you don't have a chance in a series, to play that way – like, look at the way Indiana played versus Toronto. Indiana got swept also, but they fought. And they fought even in Game 4. But with this Toronto team, it just seemed like, when well, Lowry's out there. I mean, he just, it doesn't seem like he cares. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think, I don't know how, how many times they've lost in the playoffs to them and uh, Indiana has too. So, uh, like you said, it's really, um, no excuse for Toronto, but the, it just looked like they had no fight and they gave up. They realized they weren't on this, the same level as the Cavs and, uh, I wish they, they would have played harder and made it a series. I mean, even though it was only a four-game uh, series in the first round against Indiana, those games were entertaining and all were close, I believe.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the thing that I'm saying. It's it's just about the way that you go down. And they're talking about Lowry going to a lot of places in free agency. I I don't get it. I know he's a good player, but I'm not going to pay him a lot of money after what I just saw him you know, do. It's not about the numbers you put up in the regular season. I want to see how you perform in the postseason. And that, that lackadaisical effort is not, is not selling me. I'm not paying him what he's asking. I don't care what franchise I am. I don't don't care how badly I need a point guard. It's just, it's not worth it to me. Ibaka is going to get his payday. I feel bad for DeRozan because it seemed like with the addition of Ibaka, hey, maybe this is our year to at least push the Cavs and maybe we can add one more player in the offseason or soon to get get a team together that can really make a run at the NBA Finals. Now, Lowry's probably gone, Abaka's probably gone, and he's stranded on an island with a really crappy team that's probably not going to make the playoffs.
1: Well, I mean, at least he's uh, stuck on that island with a whole bunch of cash. So he he got paid last year. He certainly did. All right. And also, I just looked up uh, Paul George's uh, playoff history, and since 2012, he lost to the Heat in the semifinals and then lost the next two years in the conference finals to the heat. Then there was that year he was out because of his injury. Uh, Then he lost to the Raptors and then the Cavs. So four four out of his last five playoff
0: appearances, he's lost to LeBron. Well, that should make it interesting next year when he's a free agent to see if he'll stay in the East, go to a team like Boston, or if he'll run out West to someone like Utah or Houston or who knows who, Um, maybe San Antonio, that, that will be the big rumor. Yeah, I don't think the Clippers will. I just don't think the Clippers will be good in two years. I think they're, some of the players are going to leave. And that I think that whole run is is kind of over. But we'll see. Um, last series in the Eastern Conference and the playoffs in this round, the one seed Boston, four seed Washington Wizards. It was a seven game series. Uh, we were both wrong on the number of, of games. Uh, but I think we both thought it was going to be a close series, and it was that. Boston ends up winning Game 7 to move into the conference finals. This was the best series in the playoffs, I would say. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, The thing was that I thought Boston was better than Washington. It proved that they're probably pretty equal. Unfortunately, I was actually rooting for Washington in Game 7, even though it would make my prediction wrong, because I really thought Washington had a better chance at making the next series interesting, because to me, Boston... They got one superstar, Isaiah Thomas. He's like five foot seven. That's not gonna work out too well against Kyrie in, in Cleveland. You're not gonna have one player beat them. Whereas John Wall, Bradley Beal, they get hot. They could win a game or two, you know. So, but Boston ends up winning the series. It was a good series, though. Yeah, I disagree though, because when I was watching
1: the games, I thought Washington was a better team. I just, I thought that uh, they were out coached. I thought Brad Stevens did a much better job than Brooks. Uh, Brooks also only played seven guys. I don't know why he didn't play Oubre uh, late in the series. After he got suspended, he really didn't play much. And those guys were just too tired. I mean, they, they didn't have any bench. We've talked about this before, and that's what really hurt them in the end.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that, I guess. Um, I mean, if you look at the roster, I think I'd rather have Washington's after seeing you know all these players. The Oubre thing is very interesting. Um, and then, obviously, the Olympic game, in game seven. Yeah. Let's talk about that. A I don't know what the hell was going on there. It's unbelievable. I mean, the thing is that he, he was a really offensive minded player and, and he could really score the basketball in college. So we knew he had that in him, but he's so slow. That's the, that's the other thing that really bothered me at the end of that game seven was I don't, I don't care what team you are. You cannot let him beat you. So adjust. He makes two shots, adjust, you know, I that's the most I think that's the most embarrassing thing about this whole thing. How do you let no offense to Kelly Linic. He's a solid player. How do you let him beat you? I I mean I think they
1: were just their their mindset was we're not going to let Isaiah beat us. They were going to make somebody else beat
0: them and Kelly Linic did. I understand, but once a guy gets really hot, I feel like you got to adjust your game plan. Yeah. I mean you can't just go in like it's a good game plan to say, let's let somebody else beat us because it's highly unlikely that what we saw in Game 7 is going to happen. But when it starts to happen, then you got to say, okay, hold on a second, maybe we need to rethink our strategy. I completely agree, but I just think they they were saying to themselves, well,
1: he, he can't keep making them. <laughs> and he, he just kept making them in the fourth quarter, and
0: it was unbelievable finishing with 26 points. That's true. Uh, I think John Wall did a lot for his status in the NBA. He played really well in these playoffs Lifting his team at times by himself. Obviously the big shot in a couple games, uh one was right at the end. So you know, he, he uh he proved that he's a really good player. This team is is pretty good. Surprisingly were the four C this year. I think they'll be they'll be strong again next year. This is another team that if they can get one good player, maybe small four or power four, they they might be able to make the leap and, and maybe compete with Cleveland.
1: Well, them and them and Houston, um, who both need some help off the bench, both traded away their first-round picks at the trade deadline. So neither of them have a first-round pick, uh, which both of them could use now.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know what you're going to get later in the first round of this draft. Um, we could talk about that at some point in the future. But I think for them, they're going to try to hunt somebody in the free agent market. I haven't looked at their cap space, but they have a really solid that's team. not good. It's not good? No, because they signed Mahimi to four years, like 60000000 million. They're paying him like $60 million a year. Okay, so they're going to have to get rid of him, obviously. And then they're going to have. He can't ha- pay more than John Wall. That's unbelievable. How is that possible? Because
1: Wall signed, uh, I guess, a deal
0: after his rookie deal, and he's still on it. I, I don't even understand how it's possible. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the key then. They're going to have to get rid of him and then use that money. Maybe they can find some money somewhere else, but they got to they got to get rid of him and use that money to get somebody who's actually useful. Because this, this, I like the roster. This is a solid team.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, but the problem is going to be getting rid of those players or getting rid of Himi, because I don't know anybody that's going to want to take on that contract. And he still has three years left on it. So that's three years, 48 mil. Um, Wall still has... Uh, so him and Wall... Uh, Wall will make a little more than him next year, so he'll make sixteen seven next year. But still, the fact that Mahimi and Wall are making the same amount is ridiculous. Absolutely, they have they have Morris on a good deal. They have him for eight million next year and
0: eight point six the year after that. So that's pretty good for them. And Otto Porter's becoming a free agent. So they're gonna have to keep Otto Porter. He's pretty solid. Maybe they can get him to to take a contract that's not ridiculous. Beal has to be more consistent for them going forward. But to get rid of Mahimi, they're probably going to have to trade a valuable draft pick. I know you said they got rid of their first one this year. I don't know what that means or what that looks like. But if I'm them, if I'm the GM, I'm looking and I'm saying I got solid players right now. They're still pretty young. They're coming into their primes, a couple of them. I got to make a move now. I can't wait, especially because, like you said, they traded that first round draft pick. So they're going to have to package him with probably a future draft pick or two and just suck it up and get rid of them, and then, and then go get somebody. But if I'm them, I need to make a move this year or next year. I don't have time to waste with this roster. I think they're, they're right there.
1: Yeah, I agree with Wall and Beal uh, at, at the right ages right now.
0: Um, and the next couple of years, they're going to be in their prime. And they need to get that, this team together. All right, let's uh, move on to what are allegedly the conference finals. That's what's being advertised now. I don't know what you're seeing on your television, but I'm seeing blowouts. Now, in the West, it's a little bit more excusable because Tony Parker, who's their third-highest scorer, I believe, is, was out in the last round, and now Kawhi Leonard has been out for the, for the past two games, and obviously they were up 20-something and then blew the game one because of it, and I think he's likely to be out in game four also um so i just i don't know what to say other than the golden state warriors are getting lucky once again playing a team that's not fully healthy in the playoffs
1: yeah and it's frustrating as fans obviously if you're a spurs fan or um a warriors fan you're going to be on opposite sides of this but just as an nba fan it's it's frustrating to watch these two series and Frustrating to see Kawhi get hurt because I think this that series would have went at
0: least six six games. See the thing is, and now now it'll go four. So my, my I don't really have that much frustration with the Western Conference. So Golden State sweeps Utah, but Utah probably didn't belong there. Blake Griffin's healthy, the Clippers win. The Clippers-Golden State's probably interesting, five or six-game series. Houston-San Antonio was six games. And then the winner with a healthy Tony Parker, a healthy Kawhi, this is, like you said, probably a six-game series. Very interesting. So it's really injuries that have screwed over the Western Conference. Once again, paving a beautiful path for the Golden State Warriors to get back to the finals. Not to say that they wouldn't do it anyway, but it's really... It's really fortunate. If you look at the past three or four seasons, the teams they have played uh, more often than not, probably three fourths or more of the teams have been missing a superstar. But the East is just it's, just, it's just trash. And I know how good LeBron is, and I know how good Cleveland is, but they steamroll Toronto. Boston goes to seven games against Washington, and Boston looks like. They look like a D League team. I mean, they are down fifty points in the second half. They th- they're down forty one at halftime. I the NBA's got to be watching this. You know, scared out of their minds. This is bad, right? Yeah, and, and Kevin
1: Durant said, if we don't like it, don't watch. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take his advice, and I'm not gonna watch the, the last three games of the the conference finals because it's not competitive and not even
0: fun to watch, fun or interesting to watch. What's fascinating about this? Truly fascinating, and the the one of the people that we're friends with, he he tweeted at us or tweeted at me. I don't know. There was a conversation on Twitter we had between a couple of people about where the revenue in the league is coming from and responding to a lack of fans watching. Okay, now this has been probably the worst playoffs we've seen in a while. Okay, terrible. I mean, the conference finals there's only two teams that have won games through through five. It's probably going to be two sweeps. We're going to probably see this year two teams in the finals who haven't lost a game yet before they met. I mean, get, we all know that's never happened. No team's gone 12-0 I don't think it won playoffs. Now you're going to have two in the same season. But what's fascinating about all this above all and everything is the ratings for this year are higher than they were last year and higher than they were the year before that. I don't understand that. How is that possible?
1: Well, I mean, the, the NBA definitely doesn't like it, though. They, they might be getting good ratings, but there's going to be an eight-day layoff in between the conference finals and the NBA finals because they're going to be sweeps, and they're not going to move it up. And they they want those games because, obviously, the more games there are, the more revenue there is. So they might be getting better ratings, and they're going to get very good ratings
0: for the NBA finals, but they're not having as many games, um, which is really not good for them. No, I'm not... I understand. And in, in the long term, it's, it's bad. I just... And I know you don't you're have an. Surprised a- by the ratings. I yeah, and I know you don't have an answer for this, but it's just I don't understand. How is it possible? And obviously, I'm watching. Now you say you're going to stop watching. That's fine. And some people will. I'm going to watch just because I'm just going to watch. But I would figure that it's not going to draw a lot of fans because we already know what's going to happen, and it's not even competitive. That's the thing that I'm scratching my head at. Yeah, and
1: like you said, the Western Conference, there's kind of, it, it would have been better, and there's nothing you can do about injuries, um, but the Eastern Conference is just, it's just been bad. Um, Cleveland steamrolled through Toronto. I wouldn't say they steamrolled uh, rolled through uh, through Indiana since all those games are close, but uh, I mean, and they're, actually, Indiana was, is probably going to be their most difficult series uh, until they get
0: to the finals, which is ridiculous. Right, I mean, it's that's, that's absurd. Um the good thing though is the Eastern Conference, Washington is actually, I think Washington's pretty good. Boston's missing a player. Um They're all missing a player, but but Boston's, you know, the problem with Boston, like I said, and it's not offensive, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but your superstar can't be five foot eight, and that's being generous. He's probably not even that tall. It's just not gonna work. They have Al Horford, yeah. but they need someone that's got height. But the good thing is I think Boston had a good player this year. They'll probably get a little bit better. Washington, who knows? They're still pretty good. I think they make a better series against Cleveland this round. You agree, probably, because you think they're a better team overall anyway. Toronto's probably out. The Sixers hopefully get into the playoffs next year, although they're not going to be too much of a contender yet. Milwaukee hopefully gets better next year. Healthy Jabari. So I think there's a couple teams that can make it, the playoffs more interesting next year. That's the good thing, but for right now, it's, 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 it's ugly. So, would you say that Boston would need maybe like a six foot eight white small forward from Utah? <laughs> I mean, that plus, must, plus Markel Fultz, uh, you know, they're going to be a lot to handle next year. I don't know how full, how good Fultz can be immediately, but if they get Hayward, he'll be the third or f- probably the fourth at, at most scoring option. So, it, you know, that'll be great for them. Um, they can really give Cleveland a headache next year. So,. No, the offseason is going to be really interesting. The draft's going to be going to be awesome. Um, I, I just I think it's oh, the NBA doesn't have to panic too much because I think the West is still pretty good if they can keep guys healthy, and I think the Eastern Conference is a couple young teams that are going to going to compete. and And like you said, at the end of the day, they're going to break records this year for probably every single finals game. And people want to complain about it being a rematch, but this is historic stuff. Um, you know two teams meeting again three times in a row. The only the only downside of any of this, honestly, at this point, is that it's only a seven-game series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw a tweet from Daniel
1: Tosh who was joking, saying, can we get rid of these preseason uh, series and just
0: make the finals a 15-game uh, series? And uh, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I mean, I wish there was some kind of weird rule where if they sweep, you know, if they... I don't know. There's nothing we can really do about it. With eight game, with eight days of rest, though, you brought that up, they probably could tack on an extra couple of games, but um, it should be a great finals. That's, that's the one good thing about what has been um, a very disappointing playoff so far. Um, Imagine how disappointing it will be if it isn't a good finals though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. It's It's, uh, it's always possible... Uh, we just saw with Cleveland-Indiana, the series is very close. You could have four close games, but a team one team could win all four of those games. That's very possible. I think it's unlikely. Um, I still like Golden State to win it all, but LeBron's so good, I don't see him getting swept. Uh, but it could be five games. I'd be surprised at that also, but I'm not shocked by it.
1: Did, did you pick the Warriors last year? I, I forget. I remember I actually picked Cleveland in six, I think.
0: I did pick the Warriors last year. Uh they're up 3-1, to one, so that, that was, you know, boating well. Um, but LeBron yeah. did something unbelievable, and the, the Cavs as a team did something unbelievable, and they, they came all the way back winning Game 7 in Golden State. So I, I don't think that's a strategy, you know, for this year. I don't think they should get down 3-1, but uh, I'm going to stick with Golden State. I think they, they were the better team last year. I think they just let themselves down, and they you know going up against one of the all-time greatest players... Uh, I, I think that they're still better team this year. Uh, but again, it's going to come down to coaching and execution. It should be interesting to see if Steve Kirk can come back. I think we talked about this, me and you, before. The potential coaching matchup of Tyrone Liu slash LeBron James versus Mike Brown, the Cavs probably win that. So that could that could end up being a factor.
1: Yeah, and, and you mentioned LeBron as one of the greatest players ever. And I just want people to shut up about comparing him to, and saying if he's better than Michael Jordan and... Can, can they just let him, like, play and, in, and, like, just enjoy watching LeBron play? And then after his career, you talk about that. Just, like, stop comparing him during his career and let him just play and just enjoy watching him. It's ridiculous to me.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, um, and, and that's why I think I'll continue to watch the Boston-Cleveland series. I have to be honest, I actually didn't catch Golden State-San Antonio last night, It wasn't a priority for me. Uh, I had something else to do. But usually when I have something else to do, I also make a priority to pull it up on my phone or find a TV. But I just wasn't interested because Kawhi's out, and I figured it wouldn't be close. It ended up being closer than I would have ever thought. I think Golden State only ended up winning by 12. But for Cleveland-Boston, I... I
1: mean, it was pretty close.
0: Yeah. But for Cleveland-Boston, I don't care if Cleveland's going to win every game by 50. I have to watch because, like you just said... We're only gonna get we're only gonna get him once, and, and it's gonna be another great player that comes along. We're gonna enjoy watching him also, but you got to watch him while they're still around. You got to watch all the games that they play and just just bask in the greatness. I'm with you. I, I like to make the argument. It's fun to argue with people about. Some people are so adamant. No way, he's better than Michael. And some people are stupid enough to say he can never be better than Michael. It's just ridiculous. Um, nothing's impossible.
1: That's it's the dumbest thing you can say that he'll never be better than him. It's just come on make, what happens if you he wins the next seven career. titles
0: and you know as yeah. first in every category i mean it's just it's stupid but but anyway i am with you i think people just need to take a step back it's it's a little overwhelming i think it's something that you can talk about from time to time but you're right every game they play just because they win by 50 or f- they're up by 50 oh now the argument starts up again well jordan never did this or whatever the case may be um, it's almost like a game by game story. But I think a big part of that, though, is the fact that there's not that much to talk about right now. There's there's nothing, there's no interesting games. So people are looking for something else to to talk about.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Nick Wright earlier. And the one thing I like about Nick Wright, is, and good for him, he, he's getting his own show with Chris Carter, is he, he doesn't say stuff just to get people watching his clips and um, just. Saying ridiculous things just to get people talking. I think he actually believes everything he
0: says, which is actually refreshing in sports media sometimes. Absolutely, and th- the great thing about him is if you follow him on Twitter, he backs up everything he says with statistics. He's always on Basketball Reference, throwing numbers out there, you know, trying to back his arguments up. And when he when he's on Colin Cowherd's radio show, and I'm sure when he's on other local radio shows, he always comes armed with numbers. Whatever argument he's making, whether it's about quarterbacks, LeBron James, other basketball players. He's always coming, you know, with, with numbers and he's well informed and you don't like you said, you don't see that a lot in sports media today. People are just gas bagging, throwing out, you know, ridiculous opinions. And a part of that and, and it's credit to Skip Bayless and some of these guys because it's kinda hard to continually in my opinion, BS like that and stand behind ridiculous opinions. And they're paid to do that and it takes some talent to do that. But for me, someone You know, and you who who really like you know actual analysis, real analysis. It's kind of I agree with you. It's really refreshing. And his show with Chris Carter. I'm not the biggest fan in the world of Chris Carter on all subjects, but he is he is a pretty great guy, and I'm sure their show will be awesome. And just a side note, I'm looking at the free agents uh, still,
1: and uh, Jonathan Simmons is a free agent, and that dude is gonna make a boatload of cash
0: this all season definitely he might be a guy who can who can uh, not totally change a franchise but he can make a big difference. He's a really talented basketball player and he's going to make some team uh better. I mean, if he goes to a bad team he can make them a lot better, but if he goes to a playoff contender, um he could start or come off the bench. I mean, he, he it's amazing and in If you don't know his story, you should go look into it. Um, it, It's amazing the way he's persevered. I think he's like 28 or something. He's gone. He's played in different leagues, and the D League. He just keeps working, keeps working, keeps getting better. And he's finally making a big break. And like you said, he's going to get paid. And he definitely deserves it.
1: Yeah, I think he actually paid a couple hundred dollars for the tryout in the D League, which which is just an awesome story. Yeah, but
0: yeah, definitely go read it if you haven't. Yes, that's that's correct. He did end up paying for a try because he was playing in a, a different league. I think it may have been in the U.S. some some league below the D league. I don't know if it was in the U.S. or somewhere else, but he did he did pay several hundred dollars for a tryout. So it's that's uh the ultimate level of perseverance. All right, so I guess I guess we could do a little bit of a finals. We don't have to preview um, if you don't want, but I guess I'm gonna stick with my prediction. I think I said Golden State in six. They may have said seven. I don't remember now. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Golden State winning the series in either six or seven. Are, are you? What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I know I pitched Golden State, and I want to say I said six. Um, I, I would lean towards five or six uh, rather
0: than your six or seven, though. Okay, yeah. At five would really surprise me. Uh, but like I said, it wouldn't shock me. Um, all right. right. Let's. Uh, the last thing we want to talk about today is the NBA Draft Lottery. You know that thing that they claim is a bunch of ping-pong balls, but we really all know is is just rigged by the NBA. And here is another classic level of example. Uh, it, now, I know what you're going to say, because Brooklyn slash Boston had the highest chance, but if you look historically, most of the time, a vast majority of the time, the team with the best chance doesn't actually win. It's only a 20, what is it, 25% they had to win? Yeah, tw- 25%. Okay, so that means 75% chance not to win. Number one... Boston Celtics, number two, L.A. Lakers. Um, I called it, but it's not easy. To, it was easy to call. Everyone knew that was what's going to happen. Magic Johnson knew what was going to happen and even announced that he knew it was going to happen before it happened. So um, it's just a classic rig situation. Luckily, though, the Sixers with the with a, a move from the from the God Himself, Sam Hinkie, were able to use the pick swap uh, and move into the third third position with the Sacramento Kings moving up and bumping the Suns back to fourth. What are, your, what are your thoughts about the, the draft lottery? So the last time that the worst team uh, got
1: the pick was 2004. Um, 2004, uh, the Orlando Magic won. And then the worst team has won the last three years. 2015 Timberwolves, 2016 76ers, and then 2017 Nets slash Celtics. Uh, so it is strange for it to happen three years in a row. Um, especially basically the the three biggest markets that were down that low uh, with the possibility of getting it, uh, did did finish in the top three. And like you said, technically the Kings got that pick, but uh, it it was a
0: a pick swap that Philadelphia used, uh, thankfully, from Sam Henke. Yeah, I mean, they bumped Phoenix back to four. They don't care about Phoenix. Sacramento gets bumped back to five. They don't care about Sacramento. I mean, it's just... It's just... Well, Sacramento moved up from 8 to 5, technically.
1: Right. Because they started the night at 8 and 10, and they finished with 5 and 10. So if it was rigged, then they actually helped Sacramento.
0: Well, I, my point is, I think they were trying to help the Sixers. Yeah, possibly. So the Sixers were in the five slot, right? Sixers were in the 4th spot. Okay. But my point is... That the the they were I my theory is that they're trying to the Sixers. They move the Kings up to three, knowing that the Sixers are gonna end up at three. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I get your conspiracy. Okay. <laughs> one day there's gonna be evidence of this. Um there's just too much fishy stuff that happens, but the Celtics, you know, they're in the conference finals, they're getting smoked, so obviously they need help. Uh they get the number one pick, like we said. It looks like maybe they'll get Markel Fultz. There's been talk about other players, but supposedly Isaiah Thomas and Markel Fultz are really close friends. Do you see them going anywhere else with that pick? Uh,
1: the only place, if, the, if they do not select Markel Fultz, I believe it will be traded. Uh, that, that's, I 100% believe that. They'll, they'll get Paul George or Jimmy Butler if they don't take Markel Fultz.
0: Okay. Now, the Lakers, they have the two pick. did they, they take Lonzo?
1: I mean, if the NBA was trying to rig it, they did it perfectly for Lonzo to LA. So I, I can't imagine. I mean, I can imagine them picking somebody else, but I think they do take Lonzo.
0: Okay. The, the story is just too juicy. Oh, it's 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 unbelievable. I, I wonder with Magic, uh, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would want to put up with that. But the thing is that it's, Lonzo's really not the issue. It's LeVar. And, um, there's no going to be stopping that no matter what organization he goes to. I, you know, I don't think Lonzo will probably be that much trouble. He doesn't see. He seems pretty mellow. Um, but the, the interesting thing will be what the Lakers
1: do since they have Jordan Clarkson, who could probably play the two, uh, and D'Angelo Russell, uh, they, who they used the second pick overall two years ago, um, because I mean he kind of needs the ball in his hands also. And I mean I would say uh, Lonzo is better than D'Angelo in my opinion. So I, I don't know if. Russell would still be there if they draft Lonzo.
0: No, it's an interesting question. I don't know what they're going to do. They'll probably have to move someone. I think that's what you're alluding to, uh, unless they pick somebody else instead. So first question I want to ask you is, do you want the Sixers to trade up to get Fultz? And if so, what are you willing to give up for them? I mean, yeah, that would be tough because I don't know
1: what Boston would really take from the Sixers. Um, I would Obviously, I think the Lakers pick, and the Kings' pick is untouchable to me. I, I think those picks are, are too good, um, unless you really like Fultz. I think you trade the third pick uh, and maybe Dario
0: and Covington um,
1: to get Fultz. Wow, is that too much?
0: No, it's not. It's not. It's just it hurts a little bit to think about. I'm not in love with Fultz, so I don't. I don't. I'm not willing to trade for him because I. I think we can get somebody really good at three. My second question I, is... I
1: love Josh Jackson.
0: Okay, we're going to get there in one second. I just want to ask you one more question because I'm having nightmares and I'm waking up in the middle of the night with them. If, <laughs> if Fultz goes one, which is definitely going to happen, and Ball doesn't go two, would you be okay with the Sixers drafting Ball? Yes. And you'd want that?
1: Um, if, unless ja- I, I have Jackson higher on my board right now, so I, I would rather have Jackson. Okay, so let's say Jackson goes, it, it, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Fox, too, but Fox is a really bad fit with the Sixers right now. Um, so it, it would be Fox or Ball right now for me, yeah.
0: Man, that would be... I would
1: be perfectly fine with Ball and the Sixers. I'll say that.
0: What about his father? Uh, he's not going to be a problem. That's so interesting that you think that. Although there is one there is one part of that that kind of makes sense, and that's he has the other sons to go on and on about. They're going to be in college, so maybe he'll just stay out in L.A. and do it from there. But I, I see Twitter nonsense. I see a lot of nonsense that comes with him, um, and it, that scares me, and I want nothing, nothing to do with Lonzo Ball because of it. But that's just me. Um, all right, so let's yeah, talk. I, I... Go ahead. Sorry.
1: I just, I just think is a good player, and – I don't think, if you think he's the best player on the
0: board, you shouldn't pass on him just because of his dad. I don't think he will have that much of an impact. Right. See, that's where I'm disagreeing with you. And it's not just because of his dad. I think his dad's going to have an impact on how things are handled and he's going to create controversy and will stir things up in a locker room and it will make, it just, I don't think will work well. I also don't think Lonzo will be a good teammate. That's the other thing I don't like about him. Um, I guess that would be completely separate. like off
1: the court. Off the court, good
0: teammate. Right. Yeah, I don't see him being a good okay. teammate. Because
1: um, I was gonna say on the court, I mean, <laughs> he's the the exact point guard you want. he right. Shares
0: the ball to everybody. Right. But, right. Okay, I could I could see that off off the court. All right. Well, anyway, let's let's move on to we'll, we'll finish up this podcast with our our thoughts on the Sixers. So I guess you you revealed a little bit of your board. So you, you you'd rather have Fultz one. Let's say you know in a perfect world where the Sixers get you know, their, their, their order. So Fultz would be one for you. Then you have Josh Jackson, two, Ball, three, Fox, four. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually going back now and,
1: and uh, starting to watch some of the other players' games um, and making my big board. Uh, but right now, that would probably be how it stands.
0: No. Are you totally out on Malik Monk?
1: No, I'm not totally out on Malik Monk, but I don't think he's going to be a superstar. I think fitting with the Sixers, it would be a good fit, but not at three. I think you can. You can there's a lot more value you can get at three than Malik Monk. Hmm. I think it'll be like a
0: Lou Williams, except a little better. Interesting. What um What other players have you been looking at that you think the Sixers might consider?
1: I don't think they'll really consider. I mean, Jason Tatum, um, but I really, I don't think I would like him on the Sixers. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, because there's also rumors, and then Dennis Smith. I think really the only options that the Sixers would look at at three, unless they trade it back.
0: Would you Would you be okay with them trading back? If they're trading back for Monk, then yes. Okay, I'm with you. I think I really want Jackson. Um, I'm obsessed with with height. He's pretty tall. Um, I think we have somebody to play point guard in Ben Simmons. Jackson can fill it up. He's athletic. Um, he's Great a long defender. Yeah, exactly. So I think at number three, he's like a steal. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think, think
1: everybody's just talking about Fultz and Ball. Um, I mean, obviously faults because they think he's the best player, and then Ball just because of everything that's been talked about him and his dad. And then I think Jackson's just, just kind of there, and he's being very underrated because because of the other two and everything that surrounds him.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, the number one pick, when it's this seemingly unanimous, it usually has an overwhelming story. And then Ball, obviously, with his dad and everything, he's been in the news pretty much nonstop. So that, I, I think you're right. The rest of this, The rest of the players aren't really getting talked about. The thing that's interesting is that I think Monk and De'Aaron Fox are getting talked about even more. I think that has them to you know, do with them going to Kentucky, You know, a lot of pro players coming from there, that kind of thing. But I'm with you. Josh Jackson is really falling under the radar. And I mean, I might be with you. I haven't looked enough at, at videos and stuff and highlights, um, but just totally from where I'm sitting right now, I, I think Jackson might be the second-best player in the draft after Fultz.
1: So if you had to, uh, obviously, you wouldn't know what they would trade. Um but if there are three options, were trading up to number one again, Fultz, staying at three and take Jackson, or trading back and get Monk, which would be your preference right now, uh, without knowing what they would get in the trades.
0: Well, the worst option would be trading up to get Fultz, in my opinion. Um, not knowing what I'm going to get back from Monk is interesting because, well, let me put it this way we'd have to get a lot. Like where it would be like, wow, we have to take that trade to trade back for Monk. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not a hater of Monk. I think he's good, but I think Josh Jackson's going to be really good. And if you can get him at three, I think you should, unless someone offers you something kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, uh, I so yeah, my rankings would be Jackson first, also then probably trading back and then trading up, yeah. in that order. But yeah, it's tough to
0: say without knowing what you get in the trades and what you're giving up. All right, so. That will pretty much conclude this edition of the Pick and Roll podcast. Um, we're probably not going to talk to you again until probably sometime during the NBA Finals. I'll be away until game right before Game 2. Um, so maybe after Game 2, we'll do another podcast. And then, of course, we'll do one before the NBA draft to talk about uh, the different teams and where we think guys will go. Obviously, us we will both do a little bit of research before that time. Unfortunately, because these series are so disinteresting, um, we may not see you until then. Maybe we'll find some time to do a more in-depth finals preview if we feel like we should do that. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: No, just uh, hopefully we have a good finals. That, that's all. And uh, I'm going to keep keep your uh, thoughts in uh, Josh Jackson's knees and feet, uh, make sure they're
0: healthy. So keep those in your thoughts. All right, I, I definitely will do that. Um, I'm with you. I think Cleveland returning home, uh, already up up to two. That's pretty much over. And then without Kawhi, San Antonio is pretty much gone. So we'll have to uh, try to make it through this hiatus with watching some highlights, um, looking into the draft, all that kind of speculation, maybe watch a little baseball. Uh, But for Kevin McLernan, I'm Bill Golden. This has been the Pick a Roll Podcast, and thanks for listening.